college. Avoidance of responsibility. Escapism. Friendship. Long ago, the four elements lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when... This is where the script got really weird. Yeah. So basically, this is the Cactus Juice Pod. Stay tuned to this podcast if you want to listen to Hannah and Nika talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Cue intro music. had half a page, so I'm going to need you to leave this episode. Don't I always leave the episodes, though? I mean... I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, but I have literally, I just like, don't half shut a up. page. <laughs> I just don't shut up. Dude, I only have a page and a half this time. Really? I think it was because it was a two-parter. Gotcha, okay. I think it's... it was because of, it was a two-parter and there was a lot less dialogue. Yeah, it was mostly action, which I like, but, like, there was a lot for me to comment on, so... Yeah, I think that there were definitely um, more, I feel like it was still more world building elements. We're only on episode eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and it was very much plot driving. Oh, for this sure. Ep- uh, this episode, it it didn't do a lot of exposition. It, um, you mean like character wise, there wasn't a lot of character exposition? Yes, exactly. Thank you. Sheesh. So we were talking about how this episode is more action-oriented, and it definitely, I think that action episodes where there's not a lot of dialogue are often, like, way harder to make good. To make them good. I think so, What do you think? I didn't really think about it like that, but... I think it really just needs a good mix because you can't have the plot moving purely through dialogue. It definitely needs some action. So I don't know if it's harder to do it with less dialogue. I think it's harder to find that balance between dialogue and action. Okay. I see what you're saying. Because like my my train of thought and my reasoning for that um, stance was because you have the writers who have a certain vision and they're trying to convey that to the storyboard artists who then convey that to the director who try to like make sure the art department is like, they're trying to unify so many different brains, ideas, imaginations that Mm -hmm. if you don't have dialogue in there Uh, that you can really describe how they're having this conversation, the voice actors aren't as involved in it. They can't really shape it. You're just like, okay, this action's happening, um, the kids are all fighting, they're juking past all of these fireballs. Um, definitely the fight sequences, mm-hmm. having to consult the different martial artists, mm-hmm. uh, consultants, I just, um, and like having to think how, how would an airbender go off against a fire, uh, a big giant fireball coming after him? Like, obviously, things that you can't necessarily see in real life to be able to describe. This is all coming out of your head. Yeah, so you're you're saying it's harder because it involves a lot of trust and communication within, like, behind the scenes. 
literally and not like yes. story-wise okay i was thinking story-wise oh but yeah i was okay. i was saying in like production wise like gotcha. it's hard to coordinate everything i feel like these episodes are just harder to produce and whatever happens there's never going to be 100% consensus on the finished product. Mm -hmm. um, and I would be so interested to actually hear um, interviews between like the writers, the creators, and like how everyone was able to try to create this vision um, of how the action scenes were to go. Does that make on, sense? Yeah. On the DVD version, there are special features. And one of them is... Behind the scenes, the making of Avatar, as the creators. But, like, for every single episode? Look, I, I need the director's commentary for every single episode, my okay. friend, my dude. Look. <laughs> I am that b that bought the four-disc extended editions of Lord of the Rings, both on DVD whenever it came out on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh-huh. With collective 12 hours of special features. Oh my gosh, thank goodness you didn't mean all just watch that. Anyway, back to Avatar. Uh, we didn't even get into this episode yet. I know, I'm just talking about like how much I am excited about like seeing someone's vision come to life. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah, that is really nice. So let's talk about that vision then. Yes, here we go, part two. Okay. All right, so this episode, we get to know Avatar Roku. Yes. Have we heard his voice yet? No. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. We've only seen him as a statue. Mm -hmm. We know his name. Mm -hmm. And we see him in a vision. That's yeah. It. Yeah. This is the first close-up interaction we get with him. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, like, going into this... How do you imagine, how did you imagine Roku's relationship with Aang as his past life, as the Avatar before him? What did you think the role was? Wait, okay, so the role regarding Aang? Like, what do you think, like, Roku was to Aang? Yes, he was the Avatar before him, but I don't know, like... They said that he would be able to guide Aang, but what does that mean? What did, what were your expectations for how Roku was to guide Aang? That's hard to say because we're talking about this after we've already seen the series and Legend of Korra. So the most I can say is I envisioned a mentor. Um, I guess kind of like an apprenticeship where Roku was the master and then Aang was the apprentice avatar um but it's kind of all in his head <laughs> well yes and no because like the spirit world converges with the natural world on the solstice in the sanctuary so it's ang talking to himself yes and no <laughs> he's talking within himself i guess but yeah okay uh-huh all right that's just what i was thinking about like with avatar roku and so so we picked up like right where uh part one left off they're still at the village and mm -hmm. ang had like literally the last words of last episode were oh snap i gotta get to the fire nation 
tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is distance? Come on. (laughs) Like, how far are they from the Fire Nation at this point? Because we know that Roku's Island was close to the border. It was close enough. Yeah. Within a day of flying. I mean, with extremely hard, fast flying, yeah. But how fast can Appa actually fly? How fast do you think his top speed was? Because Zuko was gaining on him in that tiny ship. Uh Uh-huh. And then, like, he's this giant 10-ton flying bison. Uh And Aang's like, yep, yep, buddy. And Appa's like, uh. And then all of a sudden, they start shooting fireballs at them. And then Appa's out there doing evasive maneuvers like he's a freaking fighter jet. That's... I don't... I feel like there is some way to measure his speed if you look at the little speed markers in the animation, but, like, I don't... I kept thinking, like, is... (sighs) How fast can a ship go? How does flying work? Because he also He's flying because he's airbending. He also went, like, on another level of the atmosphere. So I'm like, yeah. is he a plane? Can he fly, fly <laughs> as fast as a plane? Which honestly, it... yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah, but um, to avoid the fireballs. Well, because I, I was thinking, because like whenever they were still on the cloud level, the fireballs trajectory was high enough that it looked like it couldn't go any higher until they went up above the clouds and then it sh- shot through them. Like, how, how did the fireballs get such high trajectory? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I, whenever they were running the blockade, I was just kind of like, how are they aiming these catapults? You can't aim a catapult. The aim, I wasn't... Can you? I'm pretty sure you could. So, they're running the blockade. How on earth are you able to aim a catapult? I think they had enough training with the catapult to figure out how to aim it. Like, it can't be that hard to aim a catapult. I don't know. Also, they're in these giant metal ships, Mm -hmm. and they still have catapults. Like, where is the technology? Like, where's the consistency? Okay? Were you thinking they had, like, cannons or something? They probably did, because they had explosive powder. Uh Uh-huh. That's definitely hmm. way easier and better to use. Like, they had explosive power powder and they could shoot fire blast out of their fist i don't think a catapult was a smart choice there also if they had a catapult they could have just put in like one of those ball chain things in the catapult and flung one of those things or like a big net that was on fire on appa these these fire nation are morons okay so i think the catapult was a smart choice because appa is airborne and i don't think a cannon would be able to shoot that down I'm thinking they invented their contraptions with fire bending in mind, so they couldn't really use a cannon with fire bending. A catapult, though, you could still use fire bending. I think they tried to blend uh, innovation with their fire bending. Okay, if they wanted to bend innovation with their fire bending, they could have created aerosols or some sort of um, way to just enhance the fire. Like, other than a comet, obviously. Um, Wouldn't that feel like cheating to them, though? Like, the power isn't from them. They do. They're all about honor and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? They're all about honor? This is the nation that caused an entire 
genocide. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're honor skewed. My <laughs> they're skewed sense of honor. So they don't. They mutilated a child. Their supreme overlord mutilated his own child to show off his own power. So I don't think in public. Yes, I don't think an aerosol would have vibed with them because they had to rely on something other than themselves. No, you just needed you just need firebending and an accelerant. They already had the slime, the gas, the oil or whatever on the fireballs to sustain the fire and they just blasted it and caused it to catch fire. All uh -huh. I'm saying is you can easily like DIY a flamethrower. Remember that time whenever I tried to get the wasp out of our apartment? <sighs> That's what I'm saying. I don't think they want can of uh, hairspray lighter. Okay. I don't think they I want... saw it on Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's why I tried it. I don't. I don't think they would want a flamethrower though, because they want the most powerful fire to come from them and not from the contraption. Oh, so the catapult was like was, they care at that point. They're on the borders. They're running the blockade. They're not like once again. These are not like the high and mighty, like high level. I like, mean, they're on the border of the Fire Nation, so I think they're a little higher up. Who's gonna be attacking the Fire Nation? Rebels, the Avatar. Um, you never know. They've been dominating in a world in a war for a hundred years. And to be honest, I think that's kind of a failure on their part. If you have to let a war drag on for a hundred years, how are they having enough manpower to sustain that crushed rebellions? That's like a failure on everyone's part. How are all these rebellions failing? Why did they need the Avatar to be able to even overthrow these I'm feeling very cynical tonight, I feel like. Well, I'm in the middle of a city that's on fire, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, I al was always curious, like, how come it has to be, like, only the Avatar can stop this? I'm like, that's a lot of pressure on one person. But Plot. Yeah. Because plot. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. didn't we have a hundred years war in our world? Was that the one years in England? war was a series of conflicts in Europe between the French and English crowns. So, yeah. Well, duh, the French always hate the English, and the English always hate the French. So I don't think it's completely unreasonable for a year, for a year, for a war to go a hundred years, since we have presidents in our own world, universe. I mean, I'm just saying, like, how did the Fire Nation citizens, like, drink that much Kool-Aid for that long? Surely there had to be some dissenters. Yes, but not powerful enough to overthrow the fire lord look not just follow me on this little rabbit hole for a second okay, okay. just follow me on this little rabbit hole uh-huh what if what uh -huh. if they did a mini series that didn't highlight the freaking avatar like the avatar was the freaking center of the world but it highlighted your normal everyday joe like characters that we haven't gotten to yet <laughs> but the cabbage man yes but or like you know men. but you know going like vigilante style on their but it was inside the fire nation because we finally realized like by like book three that not every firebender is horrible we actually learned in this episode that not every fire nation person is horrid yeah 
Well, so I, I want to know more about those people. Okay. I'm caffeinated today. I'm sorry. Okay. I was like, how is this tied back into this episode? Or even are we? They were running the blockade. We were talking about we we're talking about the benefits of like the Fire Nation's weapon armory weaponry. Uh-huh. And like why it just didn't really make sense to me. But regardless. Uh-huh. I another comment that I had about that scene was poor Appa. Poor Appa, the true MVP of this episode. Someone get Appa a therapist. Like I never see him eat. Like, I never see them feeding him. He ate some hay in Haru's episode. Yeah, that was like four episodes ago. I never see them feeding him or watering him. They just fly him around like this poor animal, and then they fly him into a war zone. Yeah. <laughs> poor Appa. Like, how? Really the MVP. Like, he started this series being frozen in a block of ice thinking he was going to get drowned, but ended up in suspended animation and somehow miraculously lived. Mm -hmm. And now they take this poor, poor Sky Bison into a war zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is literally the last of his kind. He's going to go extinct. What other choice did they have? Well, I mean, we found out. Look at the claw. There was a- okay. <laughs> what other choice did they have? Did they have though to get into the Fire Nation? I don't know. <laughs> but not abusing that poor animal. He literally uh, called Nika. Yeah, I, I think they knew the risks going in. You talk for a little bit. I'm I'm tired. Okay. Um. So we can slip past the blockade and oh Zuko is tailing them and this is when I was like okay let the mind games begin we've seen like the brute force and now we're gonna see some not necessarily manipulation but like conniving whenever Zuko tries to evade Zhao but later on we see like Zhao saw right through him poor Zuko um oh I did make a note though that whenever Uncle Iroh kept trying to convince Zuko not to go through the blockade Zuko actually apologized to his uncle, saying sorry for ignoring his advice and plotting through it anyway. It's like, oh, good job, Zuko. I mean, not good job, but, you know, he's also yeah. sorry. <laughs> I mean, Zuko, it shows a little bit of a, a growth on Zuko's part, because remember last episode, he w- he and Uncle Iroh kind of got closer, because Zuko went and was able to, like, go and rescue Iroh. Yeah. Oh, side note, uh, way back, hold so on. That was, like, yesterday. Yeah. That was literally, like, yesterday. Way back in the beginning of the episode, actually, whenever Zuko finds that village, uh, did you notice that Iroh was still basically naked on his <laughs> rhino? Yeah. I didn't see that! I saw did that. they go straight? They went from- straight after the Avatar. Zuko, you couldn't, like, stop to, like, get your poor uncle some clothes? And I'm just like, you didn't have his clothes with you whenever you rescued him? Um, maybe he assumed that, yeah, I just wanted to make a note of, like, they, like, hightailed it after them. I um, didn't even notice that. How yeah. did I not notice that? So, uh, I was like, let the mind games begin in the blockade, and then we cut back to... Where are we? They make it to Crescent Island, and... They do. They make it to Crescent Island. And you make a note of, like, they... Where is it? 
they walk right out the front door. And I, I remember seeing that. I was like, yeah, they didn't scout or patrol or do anything, any kind of reconnaissance to make sure that they can just stroll right up into the gates. I'm like, okay, guys, sure. Yeah, I hear, I know that they're on a time crunch and everything, but walking in the front door, there's uh-huh. windows flying in a higher, yeah. like, uh-huh. Yeah. That's when you are reminded that these are children. I mean, maybe it was also for plot purposes. Like, you didn't really need to see that. And it's only quite an episode. Um, uh. <laughs> I actually made a note this episode that they weren't really treated as children by the other adults. They were treated... Oh, 100% no. Yeah, which I think was on purpose because the audience is children and they don't want to belittle these main characters by saying you're only children thereby belittling their audience. But anyway, back to the episode. But uh, at the same time, treating a child as an adult can be pretty traumatizing. Depending on the situation. Depending on the child's developmental stage. I will get on a rant. Oh, well, we also get our Later. first canon mention of Zuko's age. We finally get yes. uh, confirmation that he is 16 years old. Oh, um, poor kid. So, yeah, right. I mean, he... I don't think they should be treating him as a child. He definitely, I mean, well, yeah. they don't treat him like they don't treat him like a child like he's even liked. Yeah. They treat That's... him as an abused child. Yeah. Mm, okay. I apologize everyone. I'm very I'm very cynical today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So they go to the temple and of course the fire stage is there because it's not abandoned. Why would it be abandoned? Um I know. Did they not notice that that is still a very well-kept walkway? Like, that's an active volcano, people. Like, that takes some effort to be able to keep a temple looking that nice while surrounded by a volcano. Yeah, I don't know the reason I'm saying why it's abandoned. But then we see the other fire fire nation, fire sages, and how they are (laughs) anti-avatar. so sad i think well my thought was at first it was like i was like i'm legit curious like when did the other fire sages determine decide to turn on the avatar and i mean it's explained way later but mm-hmm. not way later it's explained later but at mm-hmm. the same time i'm just kind of like maybe they're holding a grudge maybe they bitter maybe oh, against the avatar yeah i don't know oh okay because i was thinking like kashayu uh, it was all a facade for him. I was like, why couldn't it be a facade for the other fire sages too? But I didn't I think. Yeah, I didn't think about them feeling uh abandoned, or whatever you said. What was it? Yeah, they felt abandoned. Yeah. They lost yeah. hope. I have a thought. So since they all served Avatar Roku, what if some of them, what if some of their grandfathers, like Shayu's grandfather, who knew Ro- Roku, what if some of the bad sages' grandfathers? Like, we're, like, power-hungry something. Roku checked them, kept them in check. What if some of those fire sages agreed with Sozin to start the war? And then Roku straight up went, nah, man, I'm gonna take down Sozin if he tries to start a war in my lifetime, not in my lifetime. They disagreed with him, just waited until he was out. And then they decided to go, like, hey, what's up, Sozin? I'm gonna join you if you give me something in return. And then that's how they raise their children. Oh, see, what I was thinking was, like, the newer generation was basically installed there uh, by the fire 
monarchy. Like they they were handpicked by the seat of government, but you're thinking like the corruption went way back further down the line. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm all about power corrupts, yo. And then you make a note about like how do the sages know that Aang wants to talk to Roku? And I was I think this goes back to last episode we were talking about like where the Avatar uh manual not manual guide, but like user guide essentially. And I yeah. think this I think this reaffirms um our thing of like maybe there are scrolls at each temple detailing the avatar's journey to becoming a fully realized avatar. So they knew that because Monkyatsu 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 also knew that in the air temple sanctuary someone would be in there to help Aang, meaning Roku. So I think each temple had its own guide. Oh. That yeah. And the reason Aang doesn't know how to do anything is because he left before he could go on that guided journey. Yeah. I see you. I see you. Also, all those sages were, like, hella old, so maybe all the old people just kind of knew. And Aang was out in the cold being like, yeah, I don't know what to do, man. (laughs) Um, Okay. So then we... Just a thought. Just a thought! Okay. So then Shayu saves them by going down a secret hallway. And then he was like... Secret tunnel! Secret tunnel! Spoiler alert. Okay. I was wondering why you capitalized secret hallway. (laughs) I was wondering why you capitalized secret hallway. Anyway. I'm so hyper right now! And then Shayu launches into his explanation of what happened to the fire sages and then i think katara asked or someone asked him how did you know that we were on our way and then shayu was like a few weeks ago the statue of Aritaroku lit up and i'm like hold up hold up hold up hold up you said a few weeks ago okay so i'm thinking a few weeks is at least three up to i don't know i don't have an upper limit yet what do you think the upper limit for a few weeks is okay so a couple is two yes a few would be three to six. Okay, I was thinking eight. So like, meet the middle, seven. Yeah. So okay, so that's roughly two months, I guess. That sort of makes sense. This is only episode eight, so maybe I don't. <sighs> the first eight episodes take place in two months on the Donut Planet. I was hoping we would get into <laughs> this. Everyone, please go back and listen to episode 7, where I launch into a very long explanation as to why I believe that their world is not spherical. Ours technically isn't spherical, it's kind of egg-shaped. Yeah, definitely not a donut, though, because that's... (sighs) Anyway, back to this episode, (laughs) where there are no donuts. That you know of. Um, um, okay, so right. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking the timeline was, but I guess two months is about right, I suppose. But also, hear me out. Lord, okay. Plot convenience. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But, Plot convenience. Uh, yeah. But also, if if Roku tells Aang that he has until the end of the summer. If book one 
as water is focused on a win- on winter. Mm-hmm. So each month is roughly, or each season is roughly three months, right? Yes. So oh, kind of makes sense because we're we're a little, uh, we're almost halfway through this book, right? Because yeah, episodes. twenty episodes, okay. and we're on episode eight. Okay, so okay, let's check that then. Okay, I guess. Cool. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, and then okay, so they reach the temple sanctuary, and to be honest, like after the first stages, like saw Team Avatar in there. I don't know. And they knew that he wanted to talk to Roku. I don't know why they didn't immediately, like, once they were unable to capture him, like, how they didn't immediately go up to the sanctuary. Come on, people. I'm thinking they took the long way, because they did go to the secret hallway. I how would more... other people not know about the secret tunnel? I, um, maybe it was... Um, maybe only Shayu knew. Okay, so if we're going back to my theory about how the current sages minus Shayu were installed there and didn't weren't chosen to be or not weren't chosen, they were installed by the government. Then maybe they didn't know about it. Maybe only Shayu had enough dedication to the temple and the avatar to actually explore the temple and found that tunnel. Yeah, but going to my theory, which I believe might be here's another reason why i think that i'm right in your half right okay um is because fire nation everything's very hereditary actually everything except for the air nomads is passed down true everything's inherited because this is patriarchal bull we're dealing with okay Okay. i mean yeah although zula does become fire lord um well duh because i or not iroh um What's his face? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, where were we going with this? Wait, what's the Fire Lord's name? I forgot. Ozai. Ozai. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Um, yeah, because Ozai hates Zuko, obviously. Well, yeah, but I was saying like he didn't pass it on to like another. He he had been priming Azula to take his place, and he didn't choose some other dude. Yeah, um, I said it was patriarchal. I didn't say it was complete patriarchy. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. We live in a patriarchal society. Yeah. So you're thinking the original, the fire sages from Roku's time would have told their dis- Wait, wait, okay. So, hereditary. Hereditary. Everything is passed down. Uh-huh. Nepotism. Uh-huh. Well, for the fire sages, is it necessarily nepotism? Because Shaya did say all the fire sages had an innate, stronger spiritual connection. That he could said be that passed- in... He huh? said that they served the Avatar in the past. Yeah, and he did say, he actually did say, like, they have a stronger, they serve the temple because they have a strong spiritual connection. That could be passed down within family, but also, like, it doesn't have to be passed down within family. Do you know how many, do you know how many, um, geez, I don't want to bring this up without sounding offensive. Okay, let's. Breeze past it then. So, all right, Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Do you know how many times like the Pope oh. was able to appoint like his like secret gotcha. like bastard children as like upper ranks of the priest, install it in the monarchy? How many different, um, how many different powerful families were able to install their children as Pope? Yeah. So, how does this tie back into the secret hallway? No, it ties back into the sage's position. 
Yes, but we were talking about the sage position because how come Shayu knew about the secret hall but not the other sages? Maybe they just didn't notice anything because like the door just completely went back. Maybe That's they just true. weren't observant. Maybe for plot convenience. I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, and then they say whenever they reach, whenever the Angang and Shayu reach the sanctuary, they seemed shocked that the sanctuary was closed. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, because they knew that you would be there to talk to Roku in the sanctuary. Of course it'd be closed. Why would they leave it open? Mm. I was like, Clean I don't it. know why. <laughs> uh, I was surprised as to why they were surprised that it was closed. Um, and then Sokka has a his Stroke idea. Stroke of ingenuity. Yeah. You say you make a note that's his first sign. Uh, he had the ingenuity whenever they were rescuing Haru. Whenever they pretended that Katara could earthbend. Oh. Yeah, but this is the first time he actually, like, creates a bomb. He fabricated earthbending. Look, I'm just saying we should give Sokka more credit. I'm saying that he was just utilizing the structures that were already in place. This is him actually being able to engineer a freaking bomb. Oh, okay. I got you. That's what I meant. And also, where did they get the supplies for that? He was like, the candle wax lights the... The lamp the, oil. There were already the lamp, lamp oil. Yeah, there were already lamp oils in the hallway. Um, as for the but where animal, did they get the sack and the rope? The animal skin, I don't know. The rope, he could have had a rope on him. Who knows? But the animal skin, I don't know. Mm. Maybe he got from his own boot. Um, what? I don't know. Plot convenience. I'm telling you. Yeah. Plot I mean, con- yes. And then it doesn't work. And I was kind of sad it didn't work because it did look pretty impressive. But I think it's because it wasn't a controlled blast. It went in all directions while the fire blast from the stages were supposed to go, like, uh, in one direction against the door solely. Mm. So I think that's why it didn't work. Also, when Sokka was like, that's the most powerful, that's as powerful as any firebending I've ever seen. And I was like, okay, the, like, three times you've seen firebending. It was pretty impressive blast, though. Like, they look pretty and, you know, okay. <laughs> um. Not impressed. I'm cynical, remember? Okay, well, I'm impressed. Um, and then I made a note of like, how come it has to be the Fire Temple? Why can't it be the Earth Kingdom Temple that we never see and I really want to see? Like, they were already from the Fire Nation. I mean, so his spirit, it would be easier to reach his spirit on his home then? Not to mention that Crescent Island is literally his home. Yeah, so, yeah. The so. temple was the last remnant of where Roku straight up lived. Okay, so it would be easier to reach Roku's spirit on his Because his temple. spirit was literally buried on that island, as we know later. Oh, yeah. Well, Fun okay. fact, his disintegrated body was totally run over okay. by him at that point. And so Katara has a bright idea <laughs> of like, hey, we can spin this in our favor and make it look like he got him, which I thought, like, that was pretty smart too. Um... I mean, their dad is pretty is pretty smart, has good leadership skills, and their mom was a bad mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it makes sense that the, both siblings got that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think Shayu's acting, going and getting the other sages, we're all like, the Avatar's gotten in! Someone help! Good acting, sir. Good job. Oh, yeah, especially especially compared to, like, Haru's episode, whenever Katara, Sokka, and Aang were trying to act, I'm like, this is... 
so much better than that. Wow. You just have to, I, I keep, ugh. So I'm I just also, kind of like, I was cringing. Yeah, I also, like, made a mental note, like, man, Chayu's acting is much better. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and oh. then, uh, so the sages open the door then. They're like, it's the Avatar's lemur. How do they know it's, how do they know that Momo's his lemur? That's what I, I couldn't, I didn't rewind, so I didn't check. But I'm wondering whenever the sages first caught them in the temple, if Momo was on someone's shoulder. Mm. Um, yeah, but I didn't rewind and check, so. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, they heard the Avatar was back, but they didn't hear that he had two water tribe kids with him, a bison and a lemur. Uh, I mean, huh. Hmm. I don't know. Word of mouth is not super accurate, and it's not like someone could snap a photo of him and be all like, this is what he looks like. Eh. Huh. I, hmm. I never thought about how, like, Katara and Sokka were never mentioned as with the rumors of the Avatar returning. I guess that was never the main point of the rumors. The main point was it's the Avatar. Um, and I mean, the Avatar is pretty much always traveling with Appa, who is much easier to see than these two Water Tribe members, so. No. Um, had no idea. <laughs> and so they managed to, and managed to sneak, not sneak, to slide into the sanctuary, and then it shuts. And we finally get to see Avatar Roku. And we get to hear Avatar Roku. We get to hear Avatar Roku. And he says, it's good to see you, Aang. And I'm like, Aww. No, the part where he was like, I've waited a long time for this. And I was like, yikes. So imagine <laughs> Avatar Roku dies, spirit world. He's like, cool. Just got reborn. Next Avatar in the cycle. I'll see him in 16 years. Huh? Nope. So you thought it was kind of like a backhanded compliment or a backhanded comment? I didn't think it was backhanded. I'm just being cynical. This is true. I got the impression that whenever he said, it's good to see you, Aang, it's like, oh, it's kind of grandfatherly, because, you know, Roku is a grandfather. I'm like, aw. He's a great-grandfather. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And I'm just like, you know, I don't know what I expected whenever, I think whenever I first watched this, I expected Avatar Roku to be more, like, to be like the other Fire Nation people we had seen, like, authoritative, stern, um, unyielding, but no, he was like, you know, like, Warm and inviting. That's and how the conversation. Yeah, that's the attitude and the culture of the Fire Nation as we know it now. Like, yeah, but we know, never got to see. We never got to see the past. So I think that's what my little, yeah, my little kid self was thinking was like, okay, this is how it's going to be back then too. Um, yeah, so, definitely. I would have loved to have seen the Fire Nation before it was all militarized. Yeah, and then true story. <laughs> And so while we're in the sanctuary, we see their conversation between Aang and Roku, and we get the backstory on that comet, on Sothan's comet, and then that's when we get the time frame of, which I appreciate. I don't think many series or car- cartoon or live action have, like, a specific time end game, end goal. Well, I think it goes back to the creators. Whenever they first pitched Avatar The Last Airbender, they knew that this was going to be three books, Mm -hmm. all consisting of 20 episodes. They knew how they wanted the story to be paced. Okay. So I think that also was a huge part of it. 
um, having a deadline because it also, for me, it made the story much more urgent because before it was still trying to like, you know, get to know everyone. They were like, hey, let's go over here and ride some koi fish. Hey, let's go over here and like check all this out. I want to go penguin sledding. It adds urgency to it now because I think they like while they knew that the war was happening, they were a little more removed from the war. But now Roku's like thrown down the gauntlet and said, yo, man, this world's going to be gone if you don't do do something in X amount of time. Yeah, I think it helps them plan a little better, too, because I was thinking of the of two shows in particular. I recently finished uh, She-Ra and for them. There was no mention of, like, time frame. It was always like, okay, who's the next boss? And so it felt like waiting around for the next boss and then beating up the boss and then, like, waiting around again. Or, like, Voltron again with, like, beating the next boss. Okay, what's the next conflict? Waiting around for the next conflict and then beating that boss. This one's like, okay, there's no waiting around. We have ish to do. Let's get down to it. I think whenever TV shows are created and expect to run until they're not renewed, Mm-hmm. that's oh. why we get those kinds of storylines the first one that comes into my head is nika and i were also huge once upon a time fans <sighs> before it got really sucky <sighs> yeah so i think the way that the writing went with once upon a time is that i don't know if they expected the show to last as long as it did so they were just trying to keep things interesting but they were just basically using the same formula but just going and fishing into all the Disney characters that had been copyrighted to just throw them in there rather than focusing on the core characters. Yeah, and then like the plot lines got more and more convoluted and I just couldn't keep up. It was exhausting me and I'm just like, this isn't what exactly. I need anymore. So, okay. Exactly. And once, And I think once a universe gets too big to keep track of, mm-hmm. you really start to lose the audience. Whereas... Avatar The Last Airbender, we have our universe, we have our core characters, mm-hmm. we have the the elements of the show that people are going to love and dedicate themselves to, which is a huge reason why we're making this podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think they... we could have made a podcast about another show, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that podcast exists about other shows. Okay? Yeah. But, I mean, definitely, but, like... But for us. The, yeah, I was try- I'm trying to say, like, the emotional investment I put in for this show had a really great payoff, even, like, 15 years later, after it first aired. And so that's why I want to make this podcast, because I'm still emotionally invested in the story and the characters, even after it's ended. And now we're invested in the new generation discovering it, too! And now, yeah, with the Netflix release, who oh boy. Okay, yeah. All right, so Avatar Roku passes on the, this is our hero's journey, this is how it's going. I personally felt like Avatar Roku was being Yoda. I can see that, yeah. So we have Roku, he has handed down the hero's journey. This, like, I don't feel like this episode, or this series was kind of directionless at first because they were still establishing a lot of characterization a lot of world building but Mm -hmm. now that he has given us the hero's journey it's time to go everything from now on is working towards the ultimate goal of defeating ozai yeah that's a good point yeah 
how like in the beginning uh, in the previous episode they were kind of like meandering and taking their time going to the northern water tribe and now they have a timeline of six months to master all four elements when Roku says it usually takes years of discipline and practice I'm like okay let's go <laughs> I'm just like I really tried my best this episode to like stop viewing them as kids but then whenever he broke me the comments of like you only have ones I'm like oh no this is a lot for a kid like it goes back kind of to the pilot episode where Katara was like I haven't done this since I was a kid and Aang was like you still are a kid yeah now it feels almost like there's definitely a huge loss right he right now in thinking of what Aang in particular not only what he's already sacrificed, but now what he's going to have to sacrifice even more. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because say we didn't have Sozin's comment, say Aang was just able to lay low, learn the elements, build allies, like slowly create a movement and then strike once he had momentum and he had power. Right now, mm-hmm. he and Katara and Sokka are a party of three. Mm-hmm. Their allies have mostly been some pretty small villages mm-hmm. like they don't and boomy yeah and even then like those allies they didn't have aside from boomy have a lot of military power to combat the fire nation yeah they don't have strength of numbers they don't have a lot of connections influences like resources in order to overthrow a fascist regime <laughs> Mm-hmm. You need resources, you need support, you need all of this stuff, and all of a sudden, you're like, these are kids. And so much of it is contingent upon this poor 12-year-old. Yeah, and I was just thinking, too, like, whenever Brogy was listing all the things that Aang had to do, I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. That's going to build up a lot of anxiety in Aang. And that does come back eventually in, like, book three all that anxiety for Aang. So I'm just like, this is this is a lot. This poor kid's already suffering from PTSD and probably his own trauma still. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he never left. He's not in a safe space. Trauma happens whenever there's too much information for your brain to be able to process so you physically cannot go on. That is the definition of trauma. Mm-hmm. So basically, all of these children have been consistently traumatized mm-hmm. this and entire series like, so now yeah. someone please get these characters therapy <laughs> yeah it's yeah i wonder if in the comics they address that if they nope are you sure no i have no clue <laughs> okay okay but yeah so roku passes uh gives us a timeline end goal not end goals um markers along yeah and again, markers along the way, uh, dumping a huge amount of anxiety and pressure on Aang. And then uh, the meeting is over because the solstice is ending. And yeah, he had the sun fully set on the solstice. And I don't know how long that window what that window of time was because it was a very small window mm-hmm. that let the light in to hit Roku's statue. But they said it had to only hit his eyes. Mm-hmm. So like. That's like a 10-minute conversation tops. Okay, I was thinking 10, 15-minute, yeah. Which, to be honest, well, then, like, so were they 
in the spirit world? No, right? Or I yes? think Aang was in a trance. Okay, so maybe... He was in the Avatar state. This is the first time, second time, we see Aang actually take the av- take on the Avatar state. He doesn't know how to control it by yeah. any means. He so, um, Every time he's done it, it's accidental. It's been accidental. This one, he was... It was the spiritual convergence of the solstice plus he was at roku's temple and roku obviously wanted to talk to him yeah so those were the two i'm also thinking like if while he was in that trance like time slowed down for them but was normal pace for outside so like it i mean to be honest the conversation didn't need to last like an hour long but it could have been an hour for them while it's only 10 minutes outside yeah, I have a feeling that if it was an hour for them, they would have just straight up executed Katara and Sokka. Well, that's no, that's what I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so like, Roku, yeah, Roku helps. Well, Zuko's there, Zhao's there, everything's wait, going well, good. Well, I'm thinking now, like, I mean, it is a kid show. They wouldn't have killed Katara and Sokka, but all they did was chain them to a pillar. So, like, and they were going to wait out the Avatar no matter how long it took. They didn't know it was going to take ten minutes long. So, then I'm like, what would they have done if it took an hour? If it, would have, if it would have taken, if he decided to lock himself in there for days, who knows? Yeah, that's bleak. So, yeah, Avatar Roku. I'm a pessimistic helps. person. So, Avatar Roku helps out Aang by, um... Loki possessing him. yeah. I'm th- I was th- picturing it kind of like how in the finale of this book, how the ocean spirit like envelops Aang's body. That's how I was imagining. Like his spirit enveloped his body. Not necessarily. I mean, I guess that is possession of a sort. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Roku does like a very powerful fire blast out the door. And I'm like, that blast was powerful enough to melt and disintegrate the chains off of Katara, Sokka, and Shayu. How are they not dead? Yeah, exactly. I think because he's a fully realized avatar that it takes such a high level of fire bending to be able to control not just the fire, the direction and the intensity, but parts of the fire. Cause you know, like how in a campfire, parts of it are hotter than the rat, than mm-hmm. other parts of the fire. Mm-hmm. Like not all fire is the same in the same fire. Uh huh. Yeah, now I got you. If he is an all-powerful, fully realized avatar, he has that control. Also, just for plot convenience. I mean, yeah. I'm just. But that's my idea. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, it would make sense if the chain was the first thing they hit, and then the other people, because like it's hottest whenever you're first blasted out, and then it cools as it travels. But it looked like it got hotter as it traveled. But as you saw, like, the fire stages attacking him, he, like, took in that fire, reshaped it, and then shoved it back out. Yeah, gotcha. Like, he was able to not, like, it didn't hit him because he took control of their blasts. So it was so powerful that he was able to take in the energy of their blasts, repurpose it, redirect it, and then control the intensity of the blast that he push back yeah. out at him at that yeah that takes a lot of discipline wow Boom. no wonder he's an avatar Boom. um so yeah no wonder the only way this guy died was being defeated by a mother <laughs> volcano <laughs> spoiler alert oh man um 
And then we cut back to Zhao's ship where he has the fire sages on board and he was like, I lost the avatar and I lost the prince. And I'm just thinking like, the avatar I can understand, but how did you lose Zuko? Because he knew Zuko was on the island, I'm assuming because he followed that little tugboat ship, right? Mm-hmm. So why didn't he just surround that ship if that's the only way Zuko got on? It would be his only escape, too. So how? Maybe he was able to hide out behind some sort of other landmass. Plot convenience. But, okay. like, I mean, maybe could, he knew the yeah. island a little bit better, went around it, hid out until, like, sundown, and then peaced. Yeah, or- and it could be, like, once Zhao saw the island, he knew that was the end goal and didn't bother to find the ship because he was mm-hmm. arrogant enough to think, I don't need to surround a ship. I got him right where I need him. Yeah. So, okay, I, okay that makes a lot of sense. Um, Did you see Shayu in that group of sages? Because that was my biggest thought. I like, can't... I think Zhao makes a point to say how he has five traders on board. So I didn't specifically see Shayu, but I think he was on there. Because there are only five sages. And Zhao says, I have five prisoners or whatever. Okay, because, like... It the only one we five, It fi- took five sages to open the door. So the first time, Shayu was a part of it because he was double-crossing them. The uh-huh. second time, they captured Shayu, and it was Zuko and the other four. Uh-huh. So he's accounted for. Is that the last yes, time you see him? I think so. Dude. Unless he's, like, in the background of the very last episode and we just never noticed. Things to look out for in the last episode. We should start taking notes. Okay. Keep a lookout for Shayu. Maybe he joins the, the White Lotus. Dude. The White Lotus. Can't <laughs> wait to geek out about them, yo! Oh my gosh, yeah. Hey. Okay, and that's the... That's the last dialogue, right? Is yeah. with Zhao. And then we just, it's just like a. Very somber, xy- not xylophone, but like. But it's a, it's a, oh, I have a note here. Where is it? What is it? It's a, it's a kalimbo. It's a thumb piano. Oh, it's a kalimbo. Yeah. yeah. One of those? Did I ever show you mine? I can't remember. I think it is. Kalimbo, kalimba. Kalimba. Kalim- I want to say kalimba. Okay. So yeah, it was a, the kalimba music Aww. on the fading screen. I and I'm, and I then think, drums. And then drums. Okay. This is only episode 8. I did say episode 10 is what I'm going to say. Blah. Mm-hmm. I think what I had been thinking was that the kalimba music is the normal one. But that was just... Yeah. yeah. But it just fades to the end title screen. And then the actual credits mm-hmm. is the proper... Okay. Such a somber and touching end, though. But I... Yeah. It was... It, it still felt okay. Because they were all together. They were safe. Still feel bad for Shayu, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think Shayu knew what he was getting into because he said he had planned. This was a pre uh, premeditated plan to betray the other sages. Yeah, yeah. Um, he lived a long life. He was old. I mean, how long's a lifespan? Maybe he was middle aged, but just looked really old. Uh, I have hopes that he'll be okay, though. <laughs> Who knows? So that, that concludes. Um, that actually concludes. So the first book on the DVD series has mm-hmm. is broken up into one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, six discs with four episodes on each. That was actually the end of the second disc. So I have no idea what the next episode is. All right. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Netflix accidentally started it for me, so I already know. Oh, but- <laughs> okay. I'll find out next week. 
Nika will find out next week. Thank you all so much, all of you who are out there listening to me and Nika geek out and rant about one of our favorite TV series ever. We love all of you, and this is just our passion project, so thank you again. You can always come shoot us a DM at Twitter at Cactus Juice Pod. Or at Tumblr at... Oh, okay. Or at Tumblr at Cactus Juice Pod, run by me. All right. See you next week. Bye. Safe travels, y'all.